I had my children on the floor. I was on my favorite blanket that my grandmother gave me on the floor like a cat. And I realized in that moment the potential of what our bodies can really do as women. Like I could feel his head, I could do my own internal, like yeah, his head, I could feel it. I was in tears, I was just in tears and overwhelmed with gratitude. Hi and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast, the podcast that is bringing embodied birth wisdom from women from all over the world sharing their natural birth stories. Don't forget to subscribe and download so that you can always have access to these empowering and positive natural birth stories. Hi, my name is Anna, also known as the Spiritual Midwife, and I am the Natural Birth Podcast host. I'm a midwife and a childbirth educator, and I work with women worldwide, assisting them in having an empowering and natural birth experience, and to truly claim their birth as a rite of passage. I offer online one-on-one sessions, packages and online courses for the conscious mamas who don't want to leave their birth up to chance. If you want to know more about me and what I do in the world, then please visit me at thenaturalbirthcourse.com or connect with me on Instagram as the underscore spiritual underscore midwife. Now, if you love this podcast, then please consider taking a moment right now and leave a review. They mean the world to me and is also your way of helping me reach more women around the world with these natural and empowering birth stories. Together, we are changing the birth narrative one birth story at a time. Today on the Natural Birth Podcast, we have Ruby. Ruby is a mama of two from the UK. She's a woman's functional health coach, holistic therapist, and a medicine weaver. In today's episode, we will dive into her two natural births. Her first with her midwives, and her second, an undisturbed shamanic ceremony in a teepee in her garden with drumming and fire, fully embodying the channel between the heavens and the earth. Ruby feels strongly about returning to our ancient ways of living to restore humanity's chance of survival on this earth. Birth plays a huge role in this. So she sees her birthing ceremony not only a ceremony for herself, but a ceremony for the collective of women who birthed before her and who will birth after her. Curious about Ruby? Find her on Instagram as Ruby and Glow. So podcast family, we are in December and coming closer to the Christmas holidays. If you are due over the Christmas holidays, please don't feel pressured into an early induction. If you need support or someone in your corner, I'm here to assist and be your fierce natural birth advocate. I will be on call all of December to help any mamas finding themselves in the situation. Book in a one-on-one session with me if you want some support and guidance in holding your ground and having your natural physiological birth. 
And if you're planning a home birth, then you can download my free home birth checklist where I share how to prepare the birth space and what you need to source for a home birth. I share all my best labor stations, nourishment, and midwifery insider tips on what will make a world of difference during your labor and birth. Find all the links in the show notes. Hi, Ruby, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast. Hello, thank you for having me on. Lovely to have you on. I um, can't wait to hear about your uh, birth stories, both of them. Uh, You had your first was a natural home birth, and then now you recently had an unassisted free birth as well at home. And we're going to dive in today from the beginning, just checking in like, you know, what was it from that first birth that made you then decide to actually go out and fully claim this birth as your own and have an unassisted, undisturbed birth? But before we get there, let's dive on back to falling pregnant. Did you, for you, was it obvious that you would have a natural home birth when you felt pregnant? Yeah, I mean, for for me, I've I've worked in kind of like holistic, you know, holistic practices for quite a while since I was like 21. So I've always been very open to the natural side of things and would always look into natural things for myself. Um, And I also was kind of quite aware of like the whole, I mean, you could call it conspiracy theory side of things, but like I was very aware of that from a young age as well. and I did actually talk about it quite a lot when I first like came, uh, you know, discovered it all, like a lot of like what people would class as conspiracy theories, but, um, and nobody kind of like listened to me back then. So I just kind of like forgot about that side of things and just got on with life. And then when I became pregnant, I was like, okay, so this is, this is what's happening now. What's the best thing I need to do for my baby and my body. And then obviously I didn't even question at the time about going to the hospital or going to a midwife like I just thought you know that's just what you do it's fine didn't know all of the problems that lied within the obstetrics world so I just kind of went along with that um went to my appointment had scans you know didn't think anything of it um didn't I just thought you know it's just it's an ultrasound like on general thinking about it or general research you know there's not much that really comes up it will generally say it's safe so I was like okay that's fine we'll do that um and then I obviously got confronted about vaccines so I was like okay um don't know how I feel about that you know natural health person I'm gonna look into it that set me off on a whole (laughs) on a whole whirlwind so obviously really looked into that and was like that is not happening not happening to me not happening to my child um and that just triggered me on to so much other things you know when I got onto that and really researched that in depth it was like all these other things that they give to babies and children and and do all these crazy things so I was like absolutely not like okay the majority of it was kind of in America you know like all the stuff that they give to babies like eye drops and um mm. suctioning and you know we don't really do that here in the UK but it opened it up to me. So I like wrote this huge birth, li- birth plan and was like, do not do this to me. Do not do that to me. And was just really like dead set on them not doing anything to my baby. I read l- tons of books um, on like kind of home birthing and did like a um, hypnobirthing course and like an online like kind of program thing. I've read some hypnobirthing books. 
Um, so I was like, okay, this is what's happening. I'm going to have a nice hypnobirthing, home birth. And uh, I just watched continuously throughout my pregnancy, just sat in the bath and watched um, gentle birth videos, like watching women just giving birth with ease. Like, And I was like, okay, that could be me. That could be me. That's all I have to envision. Like, why could it not be me? If it can be them, it can be me. So that was kind of what I carried through my whole pregnancy. And that's how I felt like when I went into labor as well. It was actually funny because when I went into labor with my son, I was, I'd, I dropped my my partner off and he'd gone on a train to London, which was like hours away. And my phone had broken and I'd actually locked my keys inside the house but I didn't real I didn't realize this. So I dropped him <laughs> off and off he went. Off he went on the train to London. I'd I'd had like a mild little, like tiny little feeling in my stomach in the morning. I was like, hmm, what was that? And then I rang and she was like, Yeah, it sounds like it's probably a contraction, but it's probably not going to be today. So I was like, okay. So let him go off on the train. And then uh, as I was driving back, I was like, oh wow, that was that was not just a mild little feeling. That was quite intense. So I was like, let me get home so I got all the way home got out my car went to the door was like my keys I don't have my keys where are my keys searched everywhere then I started to panic so I didn't have a phone I was nowhere near my family I lived hours away from my mum my and my sister um so I was just like wow okay what's gonna happen now what do I do how do I let somebody know that I'm in labor and I'm having contractions probably like every five to ten minutes Oh my god, this is such pregnancy brain. It's just like I actually just when you're talking, I just got this image, which is really funny, of Bridget Jones. You know the Bridget Jones baby movie where she's like <laughs> at that place, yeah, where she gets locked out with all yeah. the bags and everything. Oh my god, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. So I was like, how do I contact people and let them know that I'm in labor? Like, what do I do? I was like really panicking. So I was like, okay, let me go to Waitrose. Waitrose is like the closest shop to me. So I went in Waitrose. And I was having really painful contractions by this point. So I was crying because I was like afraid to give birth in which. <laughs> so I was like, oh, please borrow your phone to the people in waiters. And I rang my mom. My mom was the only number I knew. So I rang my mom. My mom rang my partner. And everybody was just like, okay, like I'm going to get back to you. We're going to set off as soon as we can. But, you know, what, what can you wait there? Can you maybe go to the hospital? Like, what do you think you should do? So I was like, they're getting really intense. So I'm going to go to the hospital just in case and wait for my partner there. So went to the hospital and the, it, I'm really glad actually that she said this to me, but I had, there was quite a good home birth team. Um, it was in Milton Keynes and they had a really good home birth team, um, which I don't think would have happened if it was anywhere else. Um, but I went in and she said, I don't want to check you because if we check you, you're not going home and you're not mm. going to have the birth that you want. So I was like, okay, that's fine. She's like, just wait here, wait to get picked up and go home and, and do what you need to do. So I was like, okay, great. So partner came, picked me up. We went home. Um, contractions actually stopped for quite a while. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, well, my mum and my sister had arrived at this time. So my contractions had stopped and I was like, okay, we'll just go to bed for a little bit. Went to bed and then started again around like 11 p.m. Got quite intense and I woke up and I was like, oh my God, it's happening. And um, but you know, looking back now at the at the waitress situation, if that had happened to me now, I'd be like, oh, going to labor. I've not got my keys. I've not got my phone. What do I do? I'm just gonna take my. I would have literally taken myself off 
if it was now, I would have taken myself off to like a field. I lived in a really nice area where it was just beautiful, like countryside around. I would have just taken myself <laughs> off to a field and just done it there on my own. <laughs> but obviously in that time I panicked and I was like quite afraid. Um, but just how the mind, how your mindset can shift that, you know, thinking back to it now, I would have never panicked like I did then. Um, yeah, anyway, so then labour began and everything was fine and I got in the bath and then we waited a little while till we rang the midwives but then when I was when it was kind of getting intense we rang them and they came around and it was different midwives to what I'd had throughout um throughout my care yeah so you, my pregnancy so with this with this first birth you were on the NHS the public expanded yeah. home birth mm-hmm. program where you actually yeah. don't know who your midwife is going to be you just have a team yeah. and any one of mm-hmm. that team can show up yeah. yeah yeah so I did have consistent care throughout my pregnancy but then obviously on the day of labor um she wasn't available so it was two completely new ones but they were very they were very lovely and um, and yeah so they came and um there's just a point I got out of the bath and I, w- I was waiting for the pool to fill up. We didn't check the tap attachments and my tap didn't fit the hose pipe. So uh, we couldn't fill the pool up with the hose pipe. I was unaware of all of this. My sister and my mom and my partner at the time was doing all of that sort of stuff. Um, so they was like filling the pool up with a kettle and with hot pans, trying not to like burst the pool as they were doing <laughs> Um, and it took hours, I think. I can't remember how many hours it took, but it took quite quite a few hours, maybe three hours or something like that to fill up. Um, and I was unaware of all of it. And I'd got out of the bath and gone onto my into the bed for a very short time. And in that moment, I don't I can't remember it very clearly because obviously I was in a deep state by this point. Um and something happened with the midwife. She checked me somehow I don't remember exactly what went on but she checked me and then I was bleeding after that and there was some blood in the bed so I don't know what she did but she touched something basically and yeah so for anyone listening like when you when you are in labor the cervix is obviously dilating and Mm -hmm. naturally you can bleed some in labor just because of you it's so fully vascularized just so much you know blood vessels right and Mm -hmm. and the membranes are you know everything is just anyway so it could have just been from the vaginal examination yeah because you because your cervix might just as she put in her fingers they might just have opened yeah so you know ready Mm -hmm. yeah Um, Yeah. and that can happen naturally or it can happen through a vaginal examination yeah of course like blood could have just come out anyway but but yeah but even reflecting on it like it Mm. was kind of like why did what was that why did I need that examination you know what what was that why did she feel that she needed to do that to me um yeah so again this is great information because this is obviously she's coming from the NHS and they have guidelines and procedures yeah. right mm-hmm. that they have to tick off you're yeah. totally fine to decline things mm-hmm. if you don't then you'll be on that kind of just everyone's on yeah. that timeline yeah. of doing mm-hmm. this at this time and when you're not, when you're not in the state to yeah. ask the question of okay do I need this what is it you know and you just end up being yeah like you said just in that timeline yeah you just on you're on their checklist yeah on their yeah. checklist and so it's funny you say this actually because I've 
just finished a blog post writing about all the routine procedures in hospitals and also that's bringing you know that, that will be brought into birth centers and home births if it is connected to mm-hmm. those guidelines and procedure you know uh, if it's not an independent midwife that thinks independently and might not follow those guidelines right yeah. it's not connected to a hospital um because this isn't so important, right? Mm-hmm. If you know yeah. this beforehand, you can take a decision and you can put it in your birth plan going like, I decline yeah. this and I only want a vaginal examination if I mm-hmm. ask for it or if it is like yeah. a true medical emergency or something, right? Because mm-hmm. then you can yeah. be more empowered. But obviously no one knows this. Yeah. No yeah. one knows this. Absolutely. Even the midwives don't really know it. <laughs> no. That's the problem. Even yeah. they really don't know it. Well, a lot of them don't anyway. Yeah, um, for sure. So yeah, that happened. And then I moved into the pool and everything was fine there. Everything was lovely. I was in complete labor land at this point, like no idea what was going on around me. It was great. It was very painful. And um, that's a difference from my first birth to this birth um, to my second birth, which I noticed like I did have this association that it was painful. Like it was pain that was happening to me. Um which was very different to my second time. Um, And the one thing that bothered me the most was the monitoring. So obviously I was in the pool and there was monitoring me. It felt like every second, but I don't know if it, I don't know how, what it was. Obviously when you're in that stage, I think it's like every five minutes. It's, usually during the labor when you're in active labor Actively, and, yeah. and this is mostly around the world however again it's it differs but every 15 minutes it's mm. the usual well they checks with the doppler to hear for one yeah. minute um and yeah is that even when you're in water yeah yeah, yeah. it would be it, it um, felt like it was every two seconds yeah <laughs> was... when you do start pushing the routine mm. again this is routine and you can decline there's actually no evidence that shows any kind of this is how often you should listen if at all throughout labor you know this is again something just that is practice yeah you know, it's just yeah. A, it's yeah. just an idea that a woman's body needs to be regulated monitored mm-hmm. measured and so on and so forth right so mm-hmm. there's actually no evidence behind the times why it is mm-hmm. every 15 during the pushing stage is after every contraction so that would have mm-hmm. been at least every five minutes if not yeah. more um yeah. so it depends on where you are in labor yeah yeah experience it really disturbed me anyway um, because obviously you want to be in whatever position you want to be in and they needed me to be over here at the edge of the pool faced forward so they could so they could reach in so she kind of was like can you move over here can you just come over here can you just turn over and it was just really impossible for me and I was really frustrated I remember being like oh my god like you are really starting to do my heading now like I wish you was not here yeah um and that's like my main memory that I remember like that that really disturbed me um and then I gave birth my son arrived it was you know great it was all smooth my labor was about five hours from start to finish um and then after that so I'd I'd made it very clear that I wanted delayed cord clamping and um you know that the whole skin on skin that that type of thing was in my birth plan um and when he came it felt like, I think it was about half an hour, but it felt really, it felt a lot less than that. It felt like I'd been in there for like five minutes, but again, cause I'm not in that, you know, not in the conscious state. And she was like, okay, we're going to have to cut the cord now. And like, the placenta was still inside. Um, and yeah, she said, we're going to have to cut the cord now. And I was like, why? Like, 
you know, I tried to try, tried to like come to my senses about what she was saying. But I was like, why? Like, I've not even delivered the placenta. Like, what? You know, I don't, I don't want to cut it now. Um, and she was like, I know, but it has gone white now. And, and we really do need to get you out of the pool. We can't keep you in the pool because, and then she started saying things about the baby getting too cold and putting all of this fear into me of what could happen, you know, like the baby's going to get too cold and this could happen and this could happen. And then started to have like a bit of urgency about her. Um, and was like, we really just need to get you out. So we need to cut it. Well, why couldn't I have just been assisted out of the pool yeah. with it, with the placenta? Like, why did they need to cut it? They didn't. Yeah. Um, so then there's like, come on, mum, mum, who do you want to cut it? Do you want partner to cut it? Do you want mum to cut it? Um, and yeah, so my mum cut it in the end and I got out and uh, yeah, I think, I, I don't know how long I was on the, I was on the couch with my baby. I'm not sure for how long. But then there was like, you need to now come on, get the placenta out. We need to get you up and get you on the toilet. So give your baby to somebody else and we'll get you on the on the toilet. And like even that, it's like making me give my baby to somebody else in that special moment and making me go and sit on the toilet. Like it was just, it was just really afterwards. I was like, okay, I didn't like that about it. But then as time has gone on, I've really reflected on it. Like that has really went against what I wanted to do, you know, and it doesn't. And the more I've learned about things and like the placenta and it's just like, oh, that's actually what I wanted to do anyway. And now I know the significance of it. It's really upset me that I didn't get to have that. Mm. But I'm quite grateful that I turned my son's placenta into like some tinctures and stuff like that. So I'm actually, I feel like I've still got a little bit of his <laughs> placenta to like, to kind of go back and yeah do a little bit of healing with it um but yeah so that was my that was my first birth and um my postpartum period was not great either I didn't know anything really about postpartum healing wasn't told anything about postpartum healing from the NHS or what I needed to do they did give me a little bit of breastfeeding support in the first few days which was really helpful um, which doesn't happen in the UK in most places. I think again, I was quite lucky to have a good, a good, like you know, a good place that offered yeah. great care. It is. It's unfortunately that's the case all over the world. You know, here yeah. in Sweden, um, you get no home visits at all after birth. Like you have mm. to take yourself the first week to the hospital to your midwife clinic to get support. Wow yeah so it's very backwards um and again like it's so different around the world in some places where i'm working in australia women will get home support from the hospital or the birth center for anywhere from two to four even some places six weeks after postpartum such a great service so it's like so different around the world you know and where you live and but i think it's really great for everyone to hear you know here you had as we said kind of before starting recording Mm. like a natural birth and you know really straightforward really from the outside like what an empowering birth but on reflection you've seen you know these Mm. things and even then like you felt these things that wasn't in alignment for you so I understand even even the midwives they kind of said to me they was like oh it's the most it's the best birth we've ever seen like we've never seen anybody give birth like that like so naturally and wonderfully and you know and and that was their kind of view so that then programs me to think oh yeah like I've like had the best birth ever like they can't get any better than what I've just done and and this is midwives in the NHS home birthing system so again it's really important to also understand the difference between doing which is great it's a free service and I mean that's amazing and I think it should be for all women 
but it also comes with a cost that mm -hmm. you then have that midwife that is much more tied to having to do things at a certain, you know, in a certain way. Yeah. And uh, whereas compared to an independent midwife, which you most likely then have to pay obviously out of pocket, mm. but she's independent. She doesn't yeah. answer to a hospital or to certain guidelines mm. or. Unfortunately here in the UK, there's been a bit of a, um, issue with that side of things now um I, i'm not sure if you're aware of it but they've basically kind of like monopolized the independent midwife industry and there's like one company called um private midwives my, or my, maybe my private midwives something like that and because of the insurance situation since um since the whole pandemic um the insurance has gone from like 200 pound a woman to like two thousand pound a woman so basically all independent midwives have now been forced to go under the private midwife like um company and they've got very strict guidelines it's, it's basically like being with the nhs like they have oh. to do they have to do most most things um they have to you know um they have to follow most of the same guidelines basically and, and again, the only thing, the only difference with them, I think they said that you would be guaranteed to have the same midwife that you have throughout your care on the day of labour. I think that was like the only difference um, compared to the NHS. So that's quite sad. And it really, it's, you know, stopped a lot of women from having that type of care. And I think it's definitely pushed people more into the free birthing um, direction because of that. And also, it was something we looked into mm. because my sister was also pregnant with me at the same time. Um, so it was something we looked into at the beginning and we was like, it's not an option for us because it's costing us all of this money. It was going to cost something like six or seven thousand. Um, and it was no different to the NHS. So. Yeah. It's also important to understand that it's also pushing midwives out of the system. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think it's it, it's sad because a lot of midwives who are contacted, you know, there was like, I'm sorry, I can't help you because of the insurance. Like, and I'm not going to go with my private midwives. Um, so I'm just I'm out of work at the moment. Like I'm not doing births anymore. I'm not assisting births. And I think, like you said, it, it's pushing people out of the system. But those people that have been in the system kind of need to just like. I mean, it's a funny one. Obviously, mm. people are, people are worried about like losing their license and things like that. But it's mm. like a license for what? A license to work within that system. Yeah. When you're choosing not to work in that system anymore, you kind of like you're just like a birth attendant, aren't you? Really, and mm. you can do what you need to do, but you're not afraid to lose your license because you don't you don't have one anymore. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like going back to real midwifery, like midwives never used to need a license it was based on knowledge and like wisdom and trust and things like that so hopefully it'll push it more in that direction definitely and there are women who now offer that like midwives who are rebel midwives daring to do that however yeah. again depending on where you are in the world even if you let go of your license yeah. if yeah, you true. have been a midwife you could face like go, yeah. manslaughter mm, or like if something goes yeah. wrong, you know, which yeah. is out of your control because it's still life and death. We talk about yeah. like most yeah, of the time definitely. it's life and it's amazing, but mm. birth is not without risk. And yeah. so it's a, it is a tricky situation, but there are rebel yeah. midwives daring to do this for sure yeah. around the world. Mm. But um, it is a massive witch hunt on midwives. And yeah. I think it's important for women to understand that independent midwives are like, that's, that's some tough, 
they're tough cookies you know what I mean yeah. like yeah. that is a passion and a conviction and she is like all for you and so woman-centered yeah. but she's also yeah. taking risks in being that mm-hmm. because Absolutely. in the NHH you are protected like in in you know following this way that is leaving one in three women with birth trauma and it's such mm-hmm. a faulty system you are protected and if you have a family mm. to feed and you know yeah. and that's the thing what women women need to remember as well it's mm. like as much as you know she she is a woman and you would love to think that she would be you know all for you and would have you completely at the center of your birth unfortunately that's not that's not how it is like she is devoted to devoted to the person that pays her, the person that holds a license and the person that's keeping her life going essentially and what she's trained all them. You know, I think that's a lot of the problems with like uh, most midwives is that it's this like kind of complex that they've got. Obviously with midwives like yourself who can see the system for what it is and kind of come away from it or try and do the best that they can within there. But the, the ones who we see who are causing a lot of the problems, it's almost like, I said before, it's like, it's like a God complex almost. It's like they've trained in this, they've been trained to think that they are like the savior, like the doctors, and they've gone through this massive training program that's indoctrinated them. And they just believe like, what, who would they be without that, without that identity? You know, if they just gave that up and said, okay, well, my role here in birth is not to um, intervene. It's not to deliver your baby. You know, I'm not responsible for then they'd kind of feel a little bit like what was it all for what's my like what's my um identity in this role do you know what I mean and I think to to do that and to give that to see it for what it is and to give that identity to the mother to Mm. give that responsibility to the mother sorry is like I think it can be a lot for quite a lot of people that have gone through the system I think it'd be quite impossible you know, I think it's so multi-layered. I really yeah. do like having worked obviously for so many years in the system. And um, I think most who come into maternity like are beautiful people that want to care for women and child and families. And um, But if you are in a system where you constantly witness medicalization of birth, eventually you get scared of birth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you don't see the natural normal, and also yeah. there are there are more and more women ready to claim their birth and take responsibility, but there's very few still compared mm. to the masses that do yeah. come in and want to give their power away. Mm. So there is a reclamation <clears throat> that needs to happen on both yeah. ends where women yeah. start actually taking full responsibility for their birth mm. and demanding that then. Uh, from yeah, the system, no, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah. actually what needs to happen because, mm-hmm. yeah, it's so multi-layered. And I know, I mean, there's so many midwives who will love work in the system who works the system for women yeah. who, who come in and they try every day to protect yeah. women from the system mm-hmm. and from you know, um, and so so it's very multi-layered all yeah. of that. And I think from the beginning, I think mostly everyone came in with that kind of. Yeah, I have so many, so many girls messaging me saying, you know, I'm a student midwife Mm. and I'm just devastated. Like, this Mm -hmm. is what I wanted to do my whole life. And I never realized it would be so medicalized and, you know, like just not what I thought birth is like. And yeah, it's really sad. And I I love what you said. and And it is so true. That is the way it that is what needs to happen you know we do need that to happen to get the systems work for us but 
fortunately the system's not designed to work for us is it so I think yeah. it'd be very I think it is about and I, that's what I love about like the pandemic how it's really brought everybody's not for everybody but for a lot of people it's brought out their like they can see that they're a sovereign a sovereign person and that they're a sovereign being and that they don't need to be dictated by and ruled and governed in the way that we are being and um I think that's the same like with the birth and with all the system and it's like we need to start looking at uh, we can't fix something that's you know designed to be broken we can only create something new and hopefully that's that's what we can do because yeah I think a lot of people spend a lot of time fighting to try and fix the system but it's never it 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 was never you know it was never broken to begin with it was it was built like that it It is built to absolutely you're so right absolutely we need a whole new system and I do feel like it's in the making because the current situation is forcing forcing both midwives like good midwives to leave the profession and women to wake up to claim their birth and so there is something new brewing we will Mm -hmm. just see how it all (laughs) but we're not here to talk about the system this is amazing and I think this is so valuable for everyone to hear but I now want to hear about your empowering unassisted birth that then was born out of this so tell us the story about how you decided that so obviously you first did check to see if you could employ an independent Mm -hmm. midwife however you found you couldn't tell us more yeah so I looked around and there was a couple of people that I'd um knew about already and heard about as like natural kind of independent midwives and like I said contacted them all and they were all unable to help us and um yeah like I said my sister was also pregnant with me at the same time and so we were just like in those early weeks assessing what we was going to do um potentially looking at like splitting costs for a midwife together and like you know seeing if we could just do anything to kind of make it available for us um and my sister had actually gone through a traumatic loss the year before they lost their baby um just a couple of days before um he was due Mm. uh stillborn and so for her to take you know whatever decision she was going to make was going to be huge for them because obviously they've, they've got a lot of trauma, a lot of fear. And um, from my perspective, so, so I could kind of see that there was a lot of problems that happened throughout a pregnancy that, you know, it just, it just didn't sit right with me. And I just thought, you know, all of these, ne- all of this negligence from the NHS, like how do you know that that wasn't, you know part of the problem of what happened like how do we know that that would have been the outcome if all of this wasn't happening um but it really kind of myself obviously being a spiritual person and having doing a lot of spiritual practices with my job and just for myself I kind of wanted to carry that over into my pregnancy so um I was starting to look into how I could use plant medicines and things like that. And that kind of was my first point of research and delving into things. And then from there, I kind of fell upon like the free birthing world and, you know, just like some birth keepers accounts kind of popped up on Instagram um, from looking at this kind of natural um, entogens in uh, pregnancy side of things. Uh, and yeah, so then I came across loads of great birth keepers and um, Saima was one of them who I did a course with. Um, her account is Live Wild Birth Free and she's just incredible. Like she's she's very knowledgeable, but also not too 
not too radical in the sense of like anti-system you know so it's just quite diplomatic with it which I really liked and I think it's just very easy and accessible for everybody to take that information in from her um so that was that was brilliant I found her course I had a call with her and immediately I was just like I'm I'm free birthing like there's no I've, I've listened to enough now to I can't go back on what I've heard and yeah it just felt so right for me so I mentioned it to my sister and told her to get on the course and I wasn't sure whether she'd do it or not but I was just rooting for her to do it because I could just oh, the more and more stuff I was learning about the NHS and the negligence and all of these problems I was like I just can't see her going through that again or you know I needed her to have like you know this beautiful pregnancy which she'd missed out on and they'd been trying so so long so hard for so long bless them they'd gone through IVF treatment and this baby was actually a miracle baby they they got pregnant naturally which was just amazing um and yeah so I just needed it to, I just wanted it so much more for more for them than even for myself so I was like please do this course you know like it'd be so good and she was just totally on board with it which I was just so surprised at you know I mean I think if it was me and I was in that situation I'd definitely have a lot more you know, I just, I'd just be frightened to go through what they, what they'd just gone through. But anyway, so she, she came on board with it. We both did the course together. Me, my partner, my sister and her partner, and that was just lovely to go through that together as well. But it was more, yeah, like learning that in an undisturbed birth, these things very rarely happen. Like you know, let's think about it. We've been here for however long thousands and thousands of years and yeah okay people do die in childbirth and things do happen but look where we are like you know we've managed to birth quite successfully for quite a long time and which shows that you know being left alone before this medical system that came in you know 100 years ago which has just caused so much chaos with women giving birth let's look at what we did before that like what did we do before and that kind of set me off on that journey of just delving into like ancient birth traditional birthing cultures around the world that have been left and not westernized and yeah I just really went on a huge research of all that type of stuff um so it was good to learn that that the medical side of it from the course with Simon and like you know the real the physiology side of it um and then on the other side I was looking at traditional spiritual cultural birth around the world and what these indigenous cultures was doing um you know I looked everywhere like the um the tundra tribes in you know in like near Russia and the Arctic and around there um indigenous American uh, indigenous Australian everywhere I looked everywhere to see what their practices was what their like you know their outlook on birth was and it's actually amazing but a lot of them recall birth as being painless quick like happens within 10 minutes sometimes like you know in one I can't remember whereabouts it was now I think it was somewhere I think it was somewhere in America in one of the in one of the um, Native American tribes but I'm not exactly sure where but they, oh, it could have been like Mongolia, maybe. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on it. But somewhere, one of the tribes was recorded to have births no longer than one hour. Like no births had ever been recorded longer than an hour. 
all the women said it was completely pain-free and it was just a completely different like it was like insane to read it like it was like how have we got to where we've got to and then I started looking into like why you know why what has changed our bodies what's changed our mindset um and I think diet has got a lot to do with it you know um diet definitely lifestyle and diet Mm. has changed the way that our bodies actually do work so we are so much and not exercising not being able to squat you know natural you should be able to sit and squat Mm -hmm. for hours without problems yeah and I do think that um it does cause problems so like because because I free birth my baby I'm not denying that there are problems out there there are more problems now than there was back then um, because of our body and because of our lifestyle and our diet but still there's the problem the main problems do come from the hospital so yeah you might have a longer labor than what we might have done thousands of years ago but you can still have the, the complications are still not there the complications are actually coming from from the hospital um so yeah I just was kind of like doing as much research as I possibly could and just opening my mind to this like just this trust really it was like more of the trust side of things and reading all of this stuff alongside doing the course because the course was kind of like validating what I'd learned I was I was voicing what I'd learned and it was like validating it back to myself which I found really useful um, amongst a group obviously of other women um and it was just kind of like the main thing what I think is really important like to learn and what what I learned is like that accepting that like what you said you know birth is it's a risk yeah it's a risk but it's also the same risk as you know you you take risks every single day everywhere you do you know everything you do everywhere you go and you're getting in your car every day is a risk um and it's about assessing that risk and and what you know what level of risk is it you know you get in your car every day and the same sort of risk applies in birth if you if it's undisturbed so I was kind of just like um sitting with that process and then thinking you know what's what's more important to me um is is it important to me to have this beautiful birth and to let life unfold naturally which is something I definitely believe in um or am I going to take a preventative measure and cause myself all of these problems for something that might not even happen so it was really about sitting with like the death side of things as well and you know thinking if my if my if I or my baby die in this process like am I okay with that and Mm -hmm. that was like a really big thing to kind of sit with and the more I learned on that you know we talked about in the course what I did as well and um Saima said that she was a, a pregnancy childbirth conference thing and there was a quite a famous you know well-known midwife there speaking and she said that she'd um done a lot of resuscitations on babies and she said she feels like it was the wrong thing to do on every on everyone that she did and she said that um the babies that she has resuscitated have like had really early um like depression you know depression in like young children who are like three four five years old um and like showing all of these signs of just like not wanting to be here and she kind of said like maybe they wasn't meant to be here you know maybe I've intervened and we've resuscitated a baby that you know who are we to make these interventions in in life you know some of us are meant to die and like I said before a long time ago women did die in childbirth babies did die in childbirth but who are we to say that that's not, you know, I think 
when my when my nephew passed away, I said to my sister, I know it's the most devastating thing in the world. Like there's nothing more painful than losing your child. Like there really isn't. Like no words can console somebody, but everything happens for a reason. You know, every even though you can't see it in the moment, life is doing what it needs to do to you, like giving you the opportunity to grow and to evolve and to have these experiences, to feel these experiences, to become a better person. And, you know, even though you can't see it now and it might take years for you to see it, something eventually will click and you'll be like, everything had to happen like that for me to be here and for me to be experiencing this. And, you know, my mum also, she lost her um, son who was before me. He He died a year before me. And, you know, she was not planning to have any more children. Um, he passed away when he was seven months old. Um, and you know, then I've come along unexpectedly and she looks at me now and says to me, even though it's, you know, the saddest thing that's ever happened in my life, look, look what you you wouldn't have been here and look what you're doing and look what you've done and look at the people you've helped. And, you know, as much as I've had to experience that sadness, it's also brought so much like greatness into the world. And I think that's just something we're so detached from, you know, death and and feeling pain and even feeling those emotions. Like we're just taught to just bury them and not to feel them and that they're bad and they're not bad. They're just the another feeling that that's there to teach us and to, you know, it's like an, a life experience for us. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like it was just really just accepting that, like, okay, whatever happens, it's meant to happen. And I'm going to take that radical responsibility to to sit with that feeling and to know that if this is what happens, that's what's meant to happen. Um, and if it, if it was in if I was in there, you know, in labour, sorry, and these emergencies happened, what would I do? Like, would I rush off and 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 go, or would I just allow whatever was meant to happen to happen? And that was like a really big, you know, like soul soul teaching experience for me because it was just like okay this is what we're here to do like this is what we these are the things that we need to stop running away from and that's how you really claim like sovereignty in everything what you do in every area of your life does feminine spirituality natural fertility awareness conscious conception, natural birth and conscious parenting appeal to you? Would you like to be a part of a like-minded community of women who want deeper and more meaningful conversations and relationships in their day-to-day lives? Then the maiden mother and MAGA village might be for you. In our village, you will find women exploring healthy and natural and conscious ways of living, relating and being in the world women practicing their magic, celebrating and honoring their cycles and blood rites, practicing fertility awareness and exploring conscious conception, mothers preparing for and journeying through her rite of passage into motherhood, navigating pregnancy, sharing birth stories and the early days of her postpartum transformation. Mothers of all ages carrying wisdom and knowledge, sharing and receiving support and encouragement through the intense and the beautiful times of mothering babies, toddlers and young children. And the magas, the magical ones, 
she who has claimed her power and become her magic, trickling down her great wisdom to the younger women in the space. When you join the Maiden Mother and Maga village, you get access to an uncensored and safe online sisterhood community. You get access to monthly live village sharing circles with women from all over the world and live Mama's Q&A with me. You also get access to monthly video lessons and themes to deepen into feminine embodiment, spirituality and sovereignty. You can join our village today and try it out with no risk. Cancel your membership at any time, no strings attached. Find the link in the show notes and I hope to see you inside our sisterhood village soon. So, yeah, I was just convinced at this point, like, this is my birth. I'm going to make it the most spiritual, beautiful experience that it is, you know, and and I sit in ceremony all the time and I do my own ceremonies and my own circles. And after learning about like the indigenous practices around it and what they do, it was like, well, of course, my birth is going to be like that. My birth is a ceremony, you know, sitting here in ceremony at certain points of the year or for people to do healing or whatever, this is the ultimate ceremony of life. Like you are bringing life from, you know, the heavens into this earth plane. Like it is the ultimate ceremony. So yeah, I just knew I wanted it to be sacred. I knew I wanted it. I wanted to hold my own space for myself, how I do when I'm in other ceremonies. And yeah, that obviously involved making my environment nice and, you know, speaking to my speaking to my spirit guides my ancestors and having all the things around me that felt made my energy safe and secure and yeah to bring in a spirit like if I wanted to communicate with spirit or to work with spirit what do I need to do so that was kind of like what I was thinking like what environment I needed to set up to make that happen you know I need to communicate with the people that are helping me with myself, my inner self, my higher self, with my baby spirit to make sure that everything happens smoothly, everything's happening as it's meant to, and I'm safe and I'm protected. So that was kind of, yeah, my plan. And I was just like, let's see how I can execute this. And <laughs> and yeah, I was like, I really want a teepee because I'd learned about, um, you know, a lot of the practices I do in my, my job, uh, like, you know, kind of indigenous um north american like type of practices so when i learned that they kind of the teepee the symbolism of the teepee was like um the like the mother basically like they they viewed it as the mother and that's the opening of the teepee is like the mother's legs so they go in and then when they rise in the morning they're born a new person a new day through the legs of the mother um so I was like, yeah, I need to have the TP. Like the spiritual significance is just beautiful. And it worked so well as well because I've got a son, he's three. So I thought if he needed to be in the house with my mom and my family, we could be outside completely undisturbed. And, you know, it wouldn't, um, you know, we, we could just have as much alone time as we wanted. I could be left alone if I wanted to. But, you know, my, they're still here in the house. Uh, so, yeah, it worked great. And the day that I went in, I was 41 weeks when uh, I went into labor and I was completely willing to go as long as as long as I needed to go um a friend of mine uh she was 44 weeks I think she was 44 and four days um 
which is just, you know, that's like nearly 45 weeks pregnant. You, <laughs> you, yeah. that would just, most people would be like, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. But, you know, your baby knows what to do. And as long as, you know, you feel okay and you can feel your baby moving and you've, you, you feel like you're safe and you're okay and you're feeling well, then just let, let it happen. You know, but obviously inform yourself on, on the things it's about informing yourself so you know that you feel confident in those moments that okay I know everything's okay I know that there's no problems now I know that there's no greater risk I know that there's this and then you know that type of thing yeah all of those decisions you know I'm just sitting here listening to you because ultimately what I'm hearing you're you're saying and this is what I think everyone who ever considers free birthing it is about sitting with death and fully claiming it like just like you experienced like you explained and and you know that you really did claim it because you have to 100% like this is you take the ultimate responsibility here you know yeah. and that's not for everybody and it needs mm. to be for you if you choose to have an yeah, yeah. birth and you need to be okay with with mm-hmm. death for you and your baby even though that's yeah. a small chance it's still mm-hmm. you know it is, yeah. you know, a, a, there is a risk. There's always going to be yeah. a risk. Yeah. Mm. And then you've also got that there is a there's a huge risk of, you know, of that happening in hospital as well. You yeah, know, there's, there's a massive risk of that happening. There's um, a much bigger risk of having complications and, and interventions done too, for sure. That yeah, yeah. And those things they might not be the cause of death, but they 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 essentially could have been the cause of death because they've not allowed you to be and your baby to be in complete, uh, you know, stress-free environment. Like your body is under stress while it's in the hospital because you're not in the right environment for birth. So yeah, okay, it might not be the actual cause of death of your child or, you know, at the end or the, or of any problems that I care, you know, them going into the ICU or whatever. But somewhere along the line, it's the cause, you know, somewhere along you being in the hospital, in the hospital and being disturbed and things not flowing right have caused you to end up in that situation 99.9% of the time. Um, so, yeah, I was 41 weeks and um, I'd helped a couple of weeks before I'd been there to witness my sister give birth, free birth. Uh, that was just amazing. Um, so that even just witnessing that was so empowering for me and that was just in itself complete medicine for me to witness and you know forget all the videos like I've seen it with my eyes now from you know somebody who's gone through so much trauma to do that with such bravery was just like okay yeah I can do this now um so yeah I just kind of was just enjoying that time and just sitting with it and um yeah I didn't know I was going to go to 41 weeks uh I did kind of have a little bit I I did think I was going to be 41 and one um so I did start to think (laughs) okay maybe now maybe now but yeah I did also think I could maybe go longer and I was fine with that so I was like yeah whatever I didn't feel I was ready for it but I wasn't like, you know, oh my God, like I'm exhausted. You know, I never, I don't think I would ever have that outlook anyway, because I just, I know that my baby needs to be in there as long as it needs to be. So no matter how I'm feeling physically, you know, nothing would ever make me rush my baby out. Um, Which is something I did with my first son as well, doing lots of exercises and like trying to get him to come, you know, I was 40 and five days and, but my, my son's father, he was going away. So I had like one day basically before he was gone 
away for work so I was like I need to give birth now whereas I would not do that now but um yeah like I was like eating all the dates drinking all the pineapple juice doing all the things what they say you know <laughs> bouncing around recklessly on my ball um but yeah so this time I was just like there's nothing I'm going to do to rush my baby out like knowing what I know and knowing that you know your baby will send the signals to your body when it is fully developed and ready to come out to the world, when its lungs are ready to come out to the world, which is really frightening when you think about induction and that you're inducing babies before they're even healthy enough to come here. So what we know, like ultimately we don't actually know what triggers labor, like that isn't still Mm -hmm. medically unknown and, you know, a great mystery, which I think it should be because birth should be a mystery. But what we do know, and the more we know, is that if everything points to that, exactly what you just said, that it's actually yeah. the baby initiating labor when baby mm-hmm. is fully ready to be bathed. And yes, I agree. I fully agree. We have an epidemic of inductions right now at 39 mm-hmm. weeks yeah. as it's supposed to so be sad. safer. But this is causing, obviously, a massive spike in failure to progress because mm-hmm. the woman and the baba and the baby is not you know, ready and also cesareans mm. and just so much trauma. So sad. So, yeah. so sad. Um, so, yeah, that uh, I was in my bedroom in the morning and I was like, oh, I'd been having like really heavy pressure feelings. So I was kind of like, just thought it was one of them. I was like, oh, wow, she's like moving, you know, heads on, heads very low on my cervix. That's just kind of how it felt. And then like 20 minutes later, I was like, oh. And then I was like, I, I Notice myself like a and I was like oh wow I just held my breath like I think that was maybe maybe like a little contraction so uh then I just monitored it and there was like every I maybe had like two in an hour something like that two of those feelings in an hour uh and that went on till about for about two hours um till about one o'clock and then at one o'clock I was just sat on my couch reading a book and my waters just broke on the couch so, which never happened to me with my son. I think that maybe happened when I was like in the pool. So I'd not experienced that. So I loved that feeling. I was like, oh, wow, like, you know, this is amazing. It's happening now. Um, and it was good to just be like, okay, I know this is happening. I'm just going to sit in it and enjoy this moment and this process. And, you know, just, yeah, not not start thinking how long have I got? You know, I'm just going to sit here and carry on reading my book. So I did carried on reading my book my waters just kept breaking for like maybe three, like three big gushes over the space of like an hour and a half. Um, and then my contraction started getting probably about every 20 minutes. So I was like, okay, I'm actually in labor now. It's going to happen. But I still wasn't aware of when it was going to happen. I still thought I could maybe go through the night. Um, so I told my sister and my mom and me and my partner was like "Mm, should we get the tv ready not really sure yeah like it was like let's just go and get it prepared and then we can do the pool after so we got in there and got all the lights set up and got things ready and then my sister came around and we was just like in the kitchen chatting and then all of a sudden I got like a really intense contraction and I was like wow like I really had to hold my breath for it I was like okay that one got me like that was I think things are progressing now and then my sister went home and then from that contraction, there was every two minutes and um, there was every two minutes, but because I was handling them like in such a different way to my first baby, I just was like, 
it's not going to happen now. Like it's, it's, it seems like it's too far away because I was just thinking about what, I, what my experience was like with my son, which I shouldn't have done because, you know, I tell myself all the time, every birth is different. You know, mm. I could give birth in two seconds. I just literally watched a video of a woman who um, gave birth in to twins in 30 minutes from the first contraction to giving birth in 30 minutes. Mm. Or was it 40 minutes, something like that. But anyway, I was like, wow, like that could happen. Yeah. So I don't know why I wasn't why I wasn't convinced that it was going to happen quickly. But yeah, we got in the garden, got the teepee set up. It was a beautiful day. It had been raining all week and they'd said it was going to rain on this day, but it wasn't. It was sunny. It was so lovely. And the grass was freezing cold and like, oh, it's just such like so many sensations. Um, so we got the teepee set up and my partner got the fire lit. The fire again was like part of the ritual. I wanted to have like all the elements um, and to be able to pray into the fire and to send my prayers up. Uh, so yeah, we got everything ready. We, it, was, it was pretty intense now. So I said to him when we was in there, I said, okay, like he just was getting everything ready. And I was just like, every, every two minutes I'd just stop and be like, <gasps> and just have one. And then I was like, these are very intense. Like, I think we should, <laughs> I think we should fill the pool up. So we started to fill the pool up and yeah, the whole thing from when my sister left to giving birth was an hour and 40 minutes. Um, so looking back at it, it felt, you know, it was like, that's not a long time at all. I don't know how we did all of that in that space of time, but yeah, I got my drums out and drummed and prayed and opened the space and said, you know, assist me, do whatever you need to do to help this happen. Said all my prayers opened up the circle and whatever. And then uh, came outside and it was just, the weather was so beautiful. It was like that, you know, like crisp autumn sun. And it was just like shining on my face, like giving me just the amount of like warmth that I needed. Um, and then the grass was like cold and it was just like, you know, when your body just needs them different sensations. Like I think that was helping me through it as well. Like, cause I had so much like other things going on in my body, like this cold on my feet, you know, stood up, which was just so it felt amazing to be stood up like honestly I couldn't I, I tried to bend down at one point uh, you can actually see it in my video like I get on all fours just to see how it feels and it's great to move for a little bit but then as soon as that contraction came I needed to get up and it was like I needed to send it down like through my feet and it was almost as if like the ground was so like magnetic you know and it was like literally taking it from me like sucking like draining it through my body into the ground and that is exactly how it felt and as it went on it got more intense and I got more into like a deeper state of consciousness and it was like I had my eyes shut and you know that feeling when you have your eyes shut but the sun like shines through your eyes and it's like orange and just like that nice like hot energy like coming through your eyes it was like that. So the sun was like sent, giving me so much like energy in my face, what I was like concentrating on. And it was like sending this, like, just, it was just like pure energy. Like it did not feel like my body was in pain. It didn't feel like my uterus was in pain. Like it did with my first birth. You know, it felt like the pain was happening to me with my son. It felt like it was something like I needed, my body needed to like get through Whereas this, it didn't, it felt like it was external. Like it was like something outside of my physical being is 
happening, whether it's my baby spirit, whether it's, you know, it's just life force, like whatever was going on, you know, it was, it was literally channeling through me and it would come. And then I was just sending it down and I needed to be stood up to do this. Like I had to stand up and like, not pushing, but like, set just like forcing the energy through me like down through my uterus it made like my spine curve almost a little bit you know like a little kind of like a um what do they call it? like a pelvic tilt type movement and then it would just send down and then another one would come and it was the same thing and it just felt absolutely it felt like a spiritual experience you know it was like something that was just happening to my body that I was just totally like being witness to. Um, and it was beautiful. It was really, really, really beautiful. And then I just had the thought, I was like, I am really in deep labor now. I think maybe I need to get into the pool just to see how that feels. And cause I think it's going to come pretty quick. And I just did, I don't know, like I could have probably just stayed out there. Um, but I wanted to get in the pool just to see how it felt. Um, and yeah, another the point when I was on my hands and knees as well, like just going back to it being like almost like a psychedelic experience. Like I was on my hands and knees singing to the song that was on. And if I closed my eyes, it was like my hands, I could still see my hands like on the earth, but they were like glowing white. And it was like almost like it was like a trip, you know, it was like, wow, I'm in like a complete different state of consciousness. This is like a, like literally like some kind of psychedelic trip. <laughs> And this is what birth really can do. Like this is mm -hmm. what every woman can access. Yeah, absolutely. If, if yeah, if you're surrendering left. and yeah. allowing yourself yeah. to. And I think also it. the fact that my partner had just left me to do what, what I needed to do. You know, he was just busy getting things ready, but he wasn't, you know, like, he wasn't like, you okay? Is everything, you know, he didn't even, he just trusted that if I needed him, I would ask, I would ask and, you know, or I'd just let him know whatever I needed. And he was just busy getting everything sorted, make, making the space right. And yeah, so I was on my own quite a lot. You know, I was like outside on my own, just going through it. And that, you know, even though it's my partner, I was completely undisturbed and unobserved, you know, like I was free to just move and do and say whatever I wanted to say. And I think in a world what we live in now, where everybody is like so conscious of what other people think, I think that, you know, is unless you fully, fully, fully feel so confident in yourself and you, you've got no, you know, cares in the world about what people think about you or, you know, what someone might, which I think it's rooted very deep in our subconscious. Like, so even if you do feel like that, you know, we've gone through so many decades of, of us being insecure and judging, judgmental and worrying about what yeah, other people think. It's kind it's, of ingrained in us. It is, but it's also actually very primal. It's actually a survival thing to care about the herd and what the mm. herd thinks, because it could mean if you got excommunicated, you would die, right? If you yeah, look yeah, at yeah, yeah. actually survival. So it's mm. actually very deeply ingrained in us to care yeah. about yeah. the herd. Unfortunately, today, the herd is the global population yeah. on internet, right? <laughs> or, you know, it's it's a different yeah. scenario, but it's very much a primal, mm. universal yeah. fear of everyone. Yeah, yeah it's interesting, actually. Um, so, yeah, I just felt completely, completely undisturbed and, like, you know, just left to do what I needed to do. Even though, I didn't, like I said, I felt confident around my partner anyway, but I think just having that, complete alone time and, and also like it stops you from reaching out for like 
reaching out for yeah. help when you don't need it you know because I think when people are there you do have this tendency to be like save me help me like mm-hmm. take my pain away like I'm in pain everybody I'm in pain you know like it's that kind of thing isn't it like oh wow like oh I've got a headache like you just feel like you need to tell everybody don't you or that type of thing so whereas nobody's there you kind of just get on with it and you're not reaching out for reaching out for rescue um which you know I'm not saying that free but you need to free birth and you need to be alone but I think it's a big step to getting towards back to where we needed to be you know like I'm not saying free births the right thing having great supportive people around you is great and having wonderful knowledgeable midwives around you is wonderful and I would have liked to have had somebody like that there if, if there was you know if that was available to me but I'm glad I did it this way now because I've done it and I know that I'm capable of it and now going forward if I choose to have someone there it's out of choice and it's not out of fear of needing them there I got in the pool after this point and um, I was in there for, I had a few contractions in there, which was just, you know, I kind of had my partner with me at some points and was just kind of moving, swaying through them. Um, still very unaware of how things, how quickly things was going to progress. Um, and then I started to feel the need to push and I was like, how? Like, I was like, so soon, like, surely I can. I was like, this can't be coming yet. So I was like, to my partner, I was like, Colin, I think you need to let them know that the head's coming. And then I like touched and I was like, oh, but it doesn't feel like it's there at all. And I was like, oh no, false alarm, it's not coming. And then, but I was like, every con, it was the big change now as well from contractions to just ugh, like just pushing, mm. you know, like, and I started making those sounds. And I know that when those sounds come, that's when, you know, it's the end. But for some reason, I was just, <laughs> I just didn't think it. And I was like, oh, making all these primal noises with every like push, you know, it was like a really intense pushing feeling. And then I was like, okay, now the head is definitely going to come. Like these pushes are just, this is not, not just every now and again, like it's every time, like I'm going to end up just pushing a baby out in a second and everyone's going to miss the whole action. <laughs> not be prepared for it so I was like okay I'm gonna get out now because I didn't want to birth in the pool either um just based on um I just wanted to I just wanted to feel what it felt like without the water and I wanted to just do it like you know like just I don't know like it was beautiful birthing my son in the water I really liked it and I do think it is um it does help with the pain, definitely, which is why I wanted it there to use it for Zenith and Pyramid Leaf. But I just wanted to feel that like raw feeling of like, you know, my baby coming out and me catching them there and just witnessing all the blood and, you know, just that rawness of it. Um, and also I just something that played on my mind. I don't know, I don't know any real evidence on this, but um when because my sister was also GBS positive on her last pregnancy and on this pregnancy actually. Um, and we learned that if you give birth in the water, it actually reduces the like the chance of them picking up any of the GBS as they come out in the water. So that kind of made me think, well, if that happens with GBS, it must happen with other strains of bacteria as well, which I would quite like to keep intact on my baby. So that was another one of my reasons. So yeah, I hopped out, which I couldn't believe I hopped out of the pool the way that I did. I just thought when I was in there, I was like, what if I can't get out? Like, what if this is me now and I can't get out? (laughs) And I just, in that moment, I was like, I'd gone from like being in really deep, you know, like 
theta, maybe even like delta brain waves, like totally, you know, in that. And then I like opened my eyes and everything was just like HD. Like it, like I shifted into like adrenaline. This is the moment, you know, snap out of this. Yeah. Snap out of this, um, you know, loveliness. Now it's time to get your baby and protect your baby. Like, you know, that instinctual, that instinctual shift. So I was like, everything felt HD. Everything just felt like crisp and like, okay, alert. Like I'm on, you know, in that state now. So I just was like, get out. So I was like, okay, I'm getting out of the pool now. <laughs> and then I just like jumped out. And then, uh, and then, yeah, I was, I, it was just so intense. Like I could feel, feel her head. And I was like, her head is there, but it does not feel like it's slipping out very easy. Like it feels like it is gonna, it is gonna take a good, a good push to get it out and it's gonna hurt. So I was like, okay, like reframe yourself, reframe yourself. So I was like, stand up a little bit, maybe see how it feels, see if standing up feels better, you know, because obviously it's the, you know, the density of it pulling, you know, I just thought, let's see if that, let's see if that helps. Um, and I stood up and her head kind of went back in and I was like, okay, it's giving me like a moment of relief. <laughs> like, let's reset myself. And I know now, like when I go back down, this is it. Like I'm going to give birth to my baby. So I was like up there standing, gave myself a minute. And then I like went back down into like, a, um, like a lunge position, which I knew obviously was a, a good position to be in because it's, it's very open and you also, you know, you've got the, your baby coming down towards the ground. So I knew that was a good position to be in and it felt good. I tried a couple of other ones. Like I tried the knees in, calves out thing, didn't feel right for me. Um, so this felt good and I felt like I had control. You know, I could, I could, because I was on like a foot as well, like my foot was like, you know, really grounding me and it just felt like a good position to be in. Um, and yeah, again, head side to come. And I was just like, this is gonna hurt. Like it's not coming out easy. You know, like I watched my sister give birth just a few weeks before and you wouldn't even tell that the head came out. It just literally, she was like, the head's coming. And it just popped out. And I was like, wow. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was like, this is going to take some energy from me. Like this, I need to just surrender to this feeling. Like I cannot like withhold myself because, you know, that's how you end up with, you know, tearing or things like that, when you're not fully releasing and letting yourself soften into what's happening, even though it's painful, like not saying it's not, you soften and it's just soft and it falls out. Like it's painful, (laughs) but you have to soften your body. You have to just surrender to what's happening. Otherwise you'll freeze up and, and it, and it won't, it won't happen. So yeah, I just was like, okay, what do I need to do? And I just needed to just raw, like I just needed to just screw, like it was, not even like a scream. It was just like a, like an opening sound, you know, it was like, this is what I need to do to just feel like I'm completely let go of everything. Um, and that's what I did. I just shouted and roared and out her head came and yeah, it, it hurt, but it didn't like, I don't have the same pain association as what I did with my son, like with my son, when he emerged, it, I associate it as painful. Like at the time I thought it was painful this time. It didn't feel like that. Um, it was just like a really, honestly, the, the, the roaring was just so like, it really did. It really did just help me completely release and and allow that to happen. Just kind of like took me out of body a little bit as well, you know, just like really allowed me to let that happen. 
And then, yeah, within um, a couple of minutes, obviously, then my family came. I was waiting was waiting for the right time for my son to come. We really wanted him to be there, but also not to be there too early. And, you know, because he's only three um, and I didn't want it to, like, just disrupt anything. So, yeah, we kind of waited until, like, the last moment and my, my mum brought him back to the house and my sister and my niece came. And I was like, go get my son, go get him, go get him, go get him. And then, yeah, so then they eventually, then then my baby came out and then my son came just a few seconds after, which was perfect. So it was, it was all lovely. And then we all just shared that moment together, which was so special because throughout my pregnancy, I'd kind of said to them all, like, I'm just doing this undisturbed. I don't want anybody there. Like, I just want to be able to give birth to my baby in my placenta with nobody there. Like, I don't want, you know, other people disturbing me. And then, like, as time went on, I was like, you know, it's so special to have, to be able to witness it all as a family. And I want my sister there. You know, I was there for her birth and I want her there anyway. And then, of course, I want my mum there. Like, you know, my mum actually, I, I was thinking of saying to her, I want you there anyway. But then she actually said it to me first and she said, oh, can I not just, can I not be there? Can I not just look through a pe? Can I not just look through a people in the tent? And I was like, oh my God, like, come on, of course you can be there. Like at the end, like, you know, it's different if you're there throughout my whole labor. Like I don't want anybody there then, but at the end, of course, like to witness it is so special. Like it's so moving. And for three generations of women and daughters, that is healing. So yeah, I wanted my mum to witness it wanted my sister to witness it and I'm glad my sister brought my niece as well so she could witness it um and yeah that to me that's just like three lines of women you know and that's changed the way that my niece is going to give birth you know witnessing me and my sister give birth like that it's changed her view on you know what she might have thought birth was you know painful dangerous Mm -hmm. scary um and of course, we've both given birth to two daughters in that environment with no trauma. So, yeah, that's huge healing, huge generational healing happening there. So mm. that was just like beautiful for me to have that. Even just that in itself was just like everything. Um, and yeah, and then my family then left left us and they all went inside and just, you know, had my son in there, keep my son busy and me and my partner just sat outside and actually my partner left me out there for a little bit as well on my own um just to kind of sit with baby and like try and feed or whatever and just let the placenta come out and it was about 10 minutes um but I was like laid back on on like the couch what we had out there and like I said I think it's ready to come now I just need to get up because obviously you know you need to be in that position for it to come out if you're like laid back it's very you know, it's not really gonna it's not gonna come out on its own very easy so this, as soon as I just sat up a little bit it came out mm-hmm. um and yeah and then we went on then to do a lotus birth which was lovely as well like everything what I'd learned I actually got the book um placenta the forgotten chakra it oh my god like I knew about the placenta stuff but then reading that book I was like wow like it's just amazing because obviously I'd learned like what the indigenous cultures and stuff do with the placenta and how important it is on the baby and the person's life and it's just crazy how we just throw it away and it's nothing important in this in this western world so I knew what I wanted to do with it but then when I got that book I was like wow this book was just like so much amazing information and it just totally changed how I like what I thought about the placenta so yeah we had a really lovely lotus birth um I think it was day three that it detached so pretty quick um 
And yeah, and we're, we're still to bury it. It's upstairs, all um, preserved. But yeah, we're, we're going to go somewhere special and, and bury it. Um, For anyone yeah. who doesn't know what a lotus birth is, who's listening, it's it means just not cutting the cord, just keeping mm. the placenta and the baby attached until the cord detaches by itself. It just dries yeah. up and you keep it in a little bag for the placenta and put some herbs and salt and stuff. Yeah. What herbs do and, you and use? It, and it, it's not for everybody, you know, because oh, no. it is it is quite hard to, you know, I mean, luckily ours fell off quite quick, but some can stay attached for like 10 days. And that I think would be quite difficult because it is very you know it's brittle it's like a hard brittle stick in the end mm. um and there are other beautiful spiritual ways that you can treat the placenta other than cutting it so like um you can burn the cord which is what my mm. sister did which is the second best thing to do after having a lotus birth because you still you're honoring the placenta but also using a sacred element of fire which is you know it's very special as opposed to cutting it with metal which is seen to be quite um like damaging to the energy of the placenta so even that you know even if you're not looking at doing a, a low a full lotus birth you could do uh, a lotus birth but then burning the cord um within like you know a day or something like that or when it starts to get a bit tricky a day or two days or something um yeah, so I used the herbs. What I used, I used obviously salt. Salt is what the main thing that preserves it. So you don't necessarily need to use herbs. Um, the salt is what keeps it preserved. Um, but I used rosemary, lavender, um, and rose petals. Mm. And it smelled absolutely divine. It smells so nice. Like it just still smells fantastic now. Um, and I kept it in that and I just kept changing it like every 12 hours and then once it detached, I still kept changing it. Maybe like every two or three days, I'd just like add some more salt and just like keep um, refreshing it a little bit till it was fully, fully dry. And then I actually took all the salt off and all the herbs and then cut a chunk out of it, which I'm going to keep and use for tincture. Um, And it was beautiful. Like I'm actually going to do a post in the next couple of weeks with all my placenta pictures that I've taken and stuff over the journey and my whole lotus birth experience. But it was so beautiful. Like I cut into it and it just was like this red. Oh, it was like it just turned into this beautiful thing. Like it was almost like a flower. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, the like the texture of it and the consistency, it, it was so lovely to look at. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, so I cut this chunk out of it and I've got that and then I've just kept it upstairs, wrapped up. I covered it like in like this much salt, top and bottom, and then just put loads of herbs on, wrapped it up. Mm-hmm. And it should be good like that now for quite a while. Um, and yeah, hopefully next month sometime we're going to make a trip um, down to Avebury and and bury it there, which is like a really sacred site here in the UK. Um, loads of synchronicity that happened around that as well. I was thinking of where I was going to, plant it and um then loads of different things kept coming up about Avery 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 and I was like okay I'm not ignoring that sign anymore that's where (laughs) that's where it's gonna be so yeah um hopefully we'll do that within the month beautiful wow thank you so much for sharing your birth stories and all the wisdom throughout it now if you had a first time mama in front of you right now who's about to have her first baby and she really wants to have a natural and empowering birth experience. What advice and pearls of wisdoms would you give to her? Um, I mean, I would say that 
you are birth, like you are the power of birth. The birth, the power of birth does not lie like outside of you. You know, you're not a victim to birth. Birth is happening within you, whether you know you you, you could read. You could do whatever course you want. You could read as many books as you want to do and birth will still happen. Your body will still give birth to your baby no matter what. Like your body, your muscles will still contract and your baby will still come out no matter what you do, you know, to prepare for birth. That is that power and that strength lies within you already before you've read and done anything or seeked any like external kind of help. Your body knows how to do that. So trusting that, that that will happen, like that will happen if you allow it to. And, but what I would say is, you know, the, the thing, what you do need to, to learn is to let go of the fear and to let go of the worries that you have around birth and learn to trust, learn to trust yourself and not only like just trust that everything's going to go fine, but trust your own voice, trust to know that when something's not right, trust yourself not anybody else don't trust a book don't trust a midwife don't trust the nhs don't trust anyone to tell you about your body like you will know whether something is right or wrong and learning about the emergencies is something everybody should know it's something we probably did know a long time ago and now we don't um and so learning about those real emergencies from somebody that is not coming from a system that is you know um financed by you know, financed by the med- the corrupt medical system. Um, but yeah, and learning those things and just trusting yourself, trusting your own voice, trusting to know when it's time to, when there is an emergency, when it's time to get help and, or can you do this yourself? You know, you, you, you can. Um, so I would say that really, um, and just release those fears and trust your own power that you, you can do this. We, you, generations, your lineage has done this for thousands of years before you mm-hmm. to get you where you are now. And you mm-hmm. can do it again. And also, do you want to rewrite history or do you want to, you know, continue? Do you want to be a statistic of, of this trauma that we're seeing? You know, why voluntarily hand yourself over to these people without without trying and trusting your own self first mm. you know that should be the first option the first option should be I can do this you know I can fully do this what can I do to do this and mm. also like maybe shifting our perspective of what's important you know we spend so much money on prams and baby oh, yeah. nurseries and things like that and it's like invest in what's really important That's invest good. in the knowledge invest in working with people like you Mm. or you know other birth keepers that can give you the real information and to release those fears to give birth to your baby like it's the biggest gift you can ever give yourself and it's also the biggest gift you could ever rob yourself of letting it letting handing it over to the NHS or whatever so I couldn't agree more exactly what you just said like prioritizing not things for baby but actually your birth, like I always say, you know, your birth is going to affect your spiritual, mental, physical, emotional health for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And your baby's life as well. Oh, 100%. And it's worth investing time, money, energy into really claiming mm-hmm. it as yours. And that might be a hospital birth or that might be birth center or home birth or free birth. 
for everyone. Mm-hmm. They need to sit with that themselves and go like, what is empowering for me? And where, yeah, where do I feel yeah. safe? And what's mm-hmm. true for me? But it is important, especially when going into the hospital, you need to do a lot more work. A lot more work. Understanding the procedures that are on routine and that yeah. does interfere with the physiology and that most of the time it's not evidence-based. I think when you do start to do that, even if you start off with the intentions of having a a home birth or a birth centre birth, when you actually learn everything, it actually becomes like, okay, I can't do that. Because even if you think, okay, well, I know what I'm going to say, I'm going to have all my, you know, I'm going to, I know my rights, I know this, I know what I can decline and what I can, and and I'm not allowing these people to do this to me. Mm. But when you're in labour, you shouldn't you don't need to be doing those things you don't need to be telling somebody no don't do that or no stop asking me that or that's not what I want like you cannot do that when you're in labor no and it will and even just doing that snaps you out of the state of consciousness that you need to be in and brings you straight back to the beta focus hyper focused um consciousness where you are not in the right state to give birth that's so it. then you could be slow to progress or, you know, your contractions stop <laughs> and all of these things. So it's just like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like pushing anybody to, to free birth, but because everything is your choice, mm. you know, I just wish that the environment you may, I wish that if you do want support, that it mm. is the support that you want and you get it and you don't have to yeah. question it because questioning it can trigger everything else 100 percent, absolutely and that's why I encourage everyone to as we just spoke about you know if you do choose to not free birth you know again because that's for very few women in our current Mm. climate right um to take that radical responsibility but if you you know if you do go into the system of the hospital or publicly funded home birth Mm. for example you need to do all the research before and prep before Mm. and have advocates with you going to and you I think I think the advocates thing is really important because it's Mm -hmm. like if they do start to you know because it's like also you can have all these plans but then a random midwife turns up at your birth that you've never met before and is not on your wavelength doesn't believe in natural birth you know doesn't believes in all of the thing then you've got fight on your hands which is like the last thing you need you really the last thing you need when you're in labor so your advocates your people around you need to be on it to be keeping you away from all of that all of that stuff and making sure none of it actually happens to you and gets in your environment at least yeah you know even like conversations like conversations with the midwife happen outside of the room you know things like that so it's like you're not you're not being disturbed yeah totally and that's why you know people employ me to be at their birth to be that that gatekeeper and Mm -hmm. all that physiological space that we just spoke about as much as possible obviously Mm -hmm. because if you don't have a birth like you did which is not even having your partner there until obviously the actual birth of the baby but like that undisturbed that you had is like you're a unicorn in our modern day right (laughs) that doesn't exist right but that is the ultimate like that is when someone like you what you just explained so beautifully is that when you fully trust birth you fully claim birth you also add in ceremony and sacredness into it and you really allow it to come through you and you Mm -hmm. have absolutely no one around you that can disturb that process Mm -hmm. yeah I mean that is the ultimate but anything else you add to that 
your partner, your kids, your mom, your sister, that would have been an interference in that process. It doesn't have to be a negative one, but it yeah. would interfere into it. And mm-hmm. then you add someone else that you don't know, or maybe you're in a, an environment that's not your own home, all of this yeah. will affect. So mm-hmm. I think this is, I mean, I love your birth story because it can really show women truly. So this is undisturbed birth and what it can look mm-hmm. like and feel like and be experienced like. And then you have layers on top of that, you know, where you, yeah. where you find yourself, I feel comfortable here, you know, mm-hmm. I feel yeah, comfortable yeah. having someone in my kitchen that's the midwife, you know, in case yeah. of where I'm comfortable actually going to a birth center where I have this and that and whatever. And yeah, I run yeah. sit with yeah. their own level mm-hmm. of safety and comfortability and what they, what's Absolutely, right for them. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. <laughs> So thank you so much, Ruby, for your amazing birth stories and the ton of wisdom that you brought to everyone. It was a pleasure having oh, you thanks. on. Thank you so much. It's been lovely sharing it with you all. And I hope it can help some people to yeah, have, have a birth that they deserve. Thank you for listening. If you love this podcast, then please consider sharing it. Leave a review or make a contribution on our Patreon page. And if you want to connect on social media, then find the podcast on Instagram as The Natural Birth Podcast. Thank you for listening.